Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Big Apple on Broad, a weekly podcast about New York and Philadelphia professional sports, keeping you up to date on everything there is to know about your favorite teams. Now, here are your hosts, Danny Ryan and Connor Brown. Super Bowl 57. The time has come. We talked about it in the beginning of the podcast. Super Bowl Sunday is less than 24 hours away at the moment of this recording. Oh, man. And uh, Connor mentioned it's bittersweet because it's the end of football for the 2022-23 season altogether. Let's break it down. And Connor, take it away with what we're covering about Super Bowl 57. Well, with Super Bowl 57, I mean, I think we have to start off by giving a shout-out to Greg Ward, who was activated off the practice squad to the active roster for the Philadelphia Eagles. Was probably your guy's best receiver there for, for a year or two with, with those years with Wentz when there was absolutely no one in that wide receiver room. It, it, it was bare minimum. It, it was like the Giants this year. Richard Rodgers was making substantial plays for the Eagles those years. I mean, it was bad. Yeah, so, I mean, shout-out to Greg Ward. Uh, loved watching him play quarterback at Houston in college. And he he, he was activated because uh, Brett Covey might be injured for the Super Bowl, so they're giving him a shot to see if he's healthy enough to go. If he's not, Greg Ward will slide into place. But I think something that we really have to talk about in this game is some of the matchups and starting off with Jalen Hurts with Patrick Mahomes, both both were the MVPs of this, you know, NFL season. If Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt down the stretch, I think it's most likely that he gets the MVP. I, I think those games down the stretch, him being out really hurt him as Patrick Mahomes took home already his second MVP. I mean, he he's already get putting himself up there with the all time greats and he's still, you know, well under thirty, which is, you know, crazy in itself. It's a historical matchup too, because it's the first time that we're gonna have two black starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So it's nice to see that. Nice to see, you know, the NFL finally get with the program. And to me, I mean, this is the premier matchup. You got star versus star. You know, Mahomes has already proved himself as the best quarterback in the NFL. I think that there's no conversation around that. If you're trying to have a conversation about that, you go talk to the wall. Jalen Hurts, on the other hand, had an MVP-type season. After last season, had a lot of question marks heading into this year. Answered all of them. Still has a little bit more, you know, to prove, though. You know, he's, he's done this first season, so we need to see him do it after the season. But we're not focusing on the future. We're focusing on the present. And to me, this is by far the premier matchup. And I can't wait to, you know, just watch him play. You know, what, what, what are you expecting to see from Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl? That's a tough question because it really depends on how the game starts. Honestly, it all depends on who gets the ball first because if their backs are against the wall, Chiefs go down and score immediately, it's going to become a pass-heavy game from the jump. If the Eagles do that, I could see the Eagles really just trying to run out the clock as much as possible, and obviously not early on because this, Chief, this Chiefs offense is nothing to be played around with, but that's been their MO all year. As soon as they can get you know a 7-point lead, more than likely a 14-point lead is when they comfortably do this. They run the ball with Miles Sanders, with Kenny Gainwell, specifically in the playoffs. He's emerged terrifically, uh, but also with Jalen Hurts. And we know his running ability is just terrific. We know what he can do on the ground, and his shoulder should be fully healed by now, his sprained shoulder. We're not quite sure what the status is on Patrick Mahomes' sprained ankle, the high ankle sprain. It's not an injury that really goes away quickly. So, But I, I think that I'm expecting... You know, like you said, you were hoping for a good game. I think we're going to get a good game. Now, I'm not going to predict that it's going to be a shootout, 
but I think it's going to be a a very strategic, well-balanced game in the sense that both of these teams have a lot of talent on offense, but the Eagles specifically have talent on both sides of the trenches. And not that the Chiefs don't, because they still have talent specifically on the defensive line, but it really, I think it's going to come down to those players on both the defensive and offensive line for both teams. As far as quarterbacks go, though, I think Jalen Hurts is going to shut up a lot of the doubters because, you know, everyone, and they have valid concerns. The Eagles haven't played a great quarterback all season long, aside from Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, if you even want to call him a good quarterback, which I personally don't. So I get that standpoint of it. But at the same time, Jalen Hurts, I mean, he came out and said it in his press conference today. I had a purpose before a lot of y'all had an opinion. And after that, he goes, I know y'all like that one. Um, But it's so true because, you know, the pure characteristics this guy has as a leader, but also the talent he has as a football player, it mixes perfectly. I mean, it's like the, for lack of a better term, it's the perfect mix in my eyes. And I was a big Hurts fan as soon as I realized he was going to take over that job from Wentz, uh, just due to his mindset and his leadership in general. I think he could easily pull off this victory for the Eagles, but it's always that factor in the back of my mind that always creeps in. Best quarterback in the NFL, best tight end in the NFL, coach that's been there, and if he wins this one, he could be argued as one of the best head coaches in NFL history. And so they have us in those four categories, or those three categories, really, but I think we have them in every other category. And I'm excited to see how even it really is because – I mean, this is the Kansas City Chiefs. The The doubters can't say anything if we compete well against them. Even if we lose by three, lose by seven, they still really can't say that Philadelphia was a fraudulent team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think in this in the Super Bowl, too, I don't think the sprained shoulder injury to Hurts is going to be as big of an issue just because this is the last game of the season. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to be as conservative as he's been in the playoffs and when he came back from injury against the Giants in the last week of the season running the ball I think when he runs the ball he's going to run it like he was pre-injury because this is it you know this this is the biggest game of his life he's going to do everything in his power to try to get you know the Eagles their second Super Bowl and you know going back to your point about Hurts being a leader definitely one of the best leaders maybe not just in football but in in all of sports I, I talked to you before we started recording this podcast one of my favorite college football moments is him coming in for an injured Tua in the SEC championship game when Bama was down and Hertz was able to you know lead him back after being benched in the national championship game the year prior during that whole season you know Hertz could have put stuff out to the well, college players don't really put stuff out to the media but you know he could have complained he, he could have transferred they still have press conferences he could have said something honestly but he didn't say a peep he just put his head down and he knew that he had to get better I mean the fact that you could admit to yourself, I'm not good enough, I need to get better so I can be a starting quarterback again. Just think about the egos that these guys have. To be able to have that type of self-reflection is, it's it's not it's not a common trait that human beings have. Jalen Hurts has that, you know, it ability. You know, seeing him back in college days lead that comeback in the SEC championship game, it almost brought tears to my eyes, man, because I just love seeing stories like that of guys working through adversity and doing the right thing. So Jalen Hurts, he's probably my favorite player in the NFL right now. It's a shame he's the quarterback of my bitter rivals, the Philadelphia Eagles. But just on top of that, before can't we can't have on everything to, in life. On top of that, before we move on to nobody liked that draft pick. Maybe nobody's a stretch, but very few people like that draft pick by the Philadelphia Eagles. Hand up. I, I was a believer from day one because I thought Harry Roseman did a really smart thing. In you have a quarterback who you drafted early, had a really good season, but got hurt. And then you weren't really sure if you're going to commit to him long-term because of, you know, injury concerns and other stuff. You got to put a lot of money behind him. 
you might as well draft a quarterback in the second round, second, third round, who's talented, who could potentially develop into a starter in case said former starter wants to leave town or you don't want to pay him all that money. So you can just, you know, slide him into place as a cheaper option. That was the thing too. Like they had paid him that money at that point too. So that was where the confusion was stemming from, at least from Eagles fans, because yes, he got hurt in the, I believe he got a concussion from Jadavian Clowney that year. And Josh McCown came in, you know, did his best, but couldn't lead them to a victory over the Seahawks, but they had paid him that money. And I think every, you know, no one disliked it because what they Mm -hmm. saw in college and you got him in the second round, people were flirting with the idea that he could be an early second round pick or maybe even a very, very late first. And they fell to the, he fell to the Eagles. Obviously it's worked out since. And he even admitted that. I don't think a lot of people liked the draft pick. I mean, no no one really did because they had the quarterback at the time. He proved all the doubters wrong. And just to your point before we move on to about Wentz, Pat Roseman spoke about Carson Wentz for the first time at, I believe it was Super Bowl media day, and basically just said, hey, if you're the starting quarterback for the team and we draft a backup and you're worried about him replacing you, then you're probably not the starting quarterback. And it's completely right because look where his career has taken him since. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely on the money. And one thing that the Chiefs can do to try to limit Jalen Hurts in this game is definitely get pressure up front. It's going to be really tough to stop him running the ball. But if you can generate some pressure up front with that D-line, you know, led by Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and even a guy, a rookie in George Carl Aftis, who's had, a, you know, a decent season, those are some guys up front who are going to need to play their tails off. I mean, you you know Chris Jones is bringing up. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones has proved that he's he's one of the premier defensive tackles, not only in the regular season, but also in the postseason. He always seems to be wreaking havoc in postseason games. You saw him do it against Cincinnati. And I mean, they're going to have a tall task going against that Eagles O-line. I mean, led by Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson. Those are just three guys to name. The Chiefs have the guys who can get it done and disrupt the game. Obviously not the same depth as the Eagles defensive line, but even if if, if they are, you know, really good, like I said before, it's going to be tough going against Philadelphia's O-line. And speaking of the Eagles defensive line like you just did, two sacks away from tying the 1984 Bears sack record for most sacks in a season as a defensive line. I think it's going to happen. I don't think you can contain this defensive line to prevent them from getting two or more sacks in four quarters of football, especially against... You know, Chiefs offensive line that's decent, but no one's raving about the Chiefs offensive line. They have a few decent pieces, Orlando Brown Jr., Creed Humphrey at center. So they have a few guys that can kind of battle up there. But like we talked about, the the moves from Howie Roseman in this past offseason to even assemble that defensive line, along with the secondary that's been just honestly impressive, blowing their expectations out of the water. It's going to be a tough matchup for this Chiefs team. And, and you know, I talked about it. It's going to be the Eagles' toughest matchup facing the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, but it's also going to be the Chiefs' toughest matchup of the year by far just because of what the Eagles have on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the most true statement I, I've heard about this this game. People have been talking about how the Eagles have had a very easy schedule up to this point, which in a lot of ways they have if you look at the numbers, but whatever. I they mean, have, and, and I'm not going to disagree you, with that you, either. You play who's in front of you. Exactly. You that, that's I mean? the frustrating part about yeah. it because – I get it. You know, it was favorable, but what are you to do? The NFL made the schedule. They for don't them. call it any given Sunday for no reason because mm-hmm. any team can win on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. And to me, in the Super Bowl, this is the best possible matchup that we could have got. The two best teams, the Chiefs and the Eagles. Even though there is some truth to the Eagles playing like an easier schedule, I don't think it matters because they're the second to last team standing right now with, with, with the Chiefs. So can't really hate on that too much other than I don't have to like it, but in some ways... You got to respect it. You have to. What they were able to do, I mean, at this level is never easy to 
despite how easy your schedule may be. Also, I think that's why a lot of the 49ers comments over the past week, mm-hmm. 49ers players taking to you know podcasts or even social media in general. I know Devo Samuel tweeted out, what did y'all expect us to do, just lose and be happy with it? And I get that standpoint from it. I definitely do. But we're going on six or seven 49ers players that, are, that have either been featured in podcasts or have gone to social media to voice their frustration to say, oh, we would have won if, you know, Brock didn't get hurt. We had a healthy quarterback. And I get it. You want to be confident and you want to voice your frustrations because it was a bad way to lose. It definitely was. But at some point, you just have to take the loss on the chin and look forward to next season. And that's my problem with what the 49ers have been doing as far as their, what people are calling it a, quote, crybaby tour over the past week. Uh, I, I don't have too much of a vendetta against it, but it's just, it's petty in my eyes. Well, it, here's the thing. I disagree with them when they say they would have won. You can't say that with certainty. Yeah, I mean... the you can't say that with certainty that they would have won with Brock Purdy if he doesn't get hurt. But I, I do agree with, with the 49er players and fans who've been saying that the game obviously would have been a lot closer. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I, see that, and, and I, I've gotten the other end of it. I, I've seen a bunch of Eagle fans say, oh, even if Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt, it still would have been the same result. Well, the end result might have been the same. I, I still think the Eagles would have won because they, they were dominant from the get-go in that one. But you, you can't tell me that a guy who was 6-0 and up into that point goes down with injury, and then you're on your fourth-string quarterback in Josh Johnson, who, I mean, Josh Johnson, if you look at all the teams he, he's played for, it looks like a CVS receipt. I mean, it is a mile long. And he, he's even played for, you know, Canadian football teams, uh, uh, not arena football, but um, like he's played for, you know, the USFL teams. And it, to, to me, yeah, I, I think 49 players coming out and saying and fans saying we would have won with Brock Purdy is nonsense. But I also think that Eagle fans and Eagle players saying it would have been the same exact result is also bogus. So I, there, there's there's nonsense on both sides. But I think if you look at it down the middle, the Eagles definitely were the better team from the jump in that one. And deserve to win. Because you, you never want to see someone get hurt in a game. But Hassan Reddick causing havoc inadvertently caused the injury. Not saying he... I'm not implying at all that he was trying to hurt him, obviously. But just by being that dominant, he was able to take both quarterbacks out of the game where they had to put back in Purdy, who is going for Tommy John surgery right now in the offseason. So, I mean, that that's just how dire of a situation it was for the 49ers. I, I do think that you should be able to, you know, carry an extra quarterback in that situation. That's what some of the players were talking about, like Christian McCaffrey said that. I thought they were able to carry a third, though, but it wouldn't even... I honestly... The people that are making the argument that if they had a third quarterback, they're just kidding themselves because you're bringing in someone that is lower on the depth chart than Josh Johnson. So that's... Yeah, and, and to me, that's on the 49ers too. Mm-hmm. If given you know your history, even though it's, it, it's a fluke thing with injuries, it has happened a lot more to you guys at that position than anyone else in the NFL over these past couple of years. You got to have a better backup quarterback than Josh Johnson. Yeah, no doubt about it. And to go to your point about the USFL, it actually was a league less known than the USFL. He played for the Alliance of American Football, Mm. the AAF, in 2019. And then once he was cut from the Lions practice squad in 2019, after being in the AAF, he joined the Los Angeles Wildcats of the XFL. Mm. So he did spend some time in the AAF and the XFL and a few other leagues earlier on in his career. So... Yeah, I mean, Josh Johnson, it wasn't a fair fight from the jump, but at the same time, it wasn't as though Brock Purdy dropped back and got a non-contact torn ACL. It was, we knocked him out of the game, and we knocked Josh Johnson out of the game. And so, I feel as though I get it, you know, the game would have been much closer, and I completely agree with that. And I agree with the point you brought up, too. It would not have been the same result. We may have gone down on the first drive and scored immediately and then knocked out their quarterback, 
but it still wouldn't have been the same result. I think it's probably a 10-point win, maybe a two-touchdown yeah, win. That's what I mean. Like, it's still – you still give the 49ers a shot because they had their starting quarterback for the past couple of weeks in. But, yeah, I, I think that game was most likely on a trajectory to be at least a 10 – you know, 14-point win for the Eagles. Something that I really want to talk to you about, though, before we get into, you know, the predictions of the game, because it's getting late over here. We're, we've, we've had a long day, dude. Long couple days, man. It's been long. I mean, yesterday started at 5.30. I was up at 7 this morning getting ready for, you know, rolling men's basketball. What time did you go to bed Steady last Steady grinding. <sighs> like 9? No. Oh, no. It, 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 been... it was like midnight. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it was like midnight. Yeah, time kind of like passed by last night a little bit. I think I tried to get in bed at like 11, but I, I can never fall asleep right You were away. asleep with your eyes open regardless when you were awake, so. Well, yeah, I do that, you know, because <laughs> it takes me an hour plus because I'm just thinking about everything wrong I do in my life. But um, <laughs> speaking of doing something wrong, Andy Reid, when he was fired by the Philadelphia Eagles and then went over to the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs had a, uh, a little-known coach on their coaching staff who went by the name of Nick Sirianni. And instead of retaining him, Andy Reid decided to let him go, and that has set Nick Sirianni on a path to where now he is facing Andy Reid in Super Bowl 57. Let me ask you this, Danny. Who does this game mean more to? Andy Reid, who is the longtime coach of the Eagles, got them to a Super Bowl, a bunch of NFC championship games, but can never get over the hump. Or Nick Sirianni, who is on the staff when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, still a young, scrappy, you know, head coach now, going up against a guy who fired him in Kansas City. It's a tough question because, you know, the Eagles also fired Andy Reid, and so he has that grudge he might be holding against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to have to go with Nick Sirianni because, you know, at the end of the day, Andy Reid still had some pretty good moments in Philadelphia. He might not have won the championship, but he got to one, and he got really close. He lost by three points, and that was the year of Spygate as well. Now, how much truth is around Spygate, who knows? But I think, really, it's got to be Nick Sirianni because no matter what you want to say, there will always be a grudge held against the man or woman who fired you, especially if you reach the top point of your sport or of your industry, career, whatever the case may be. If you started from the bottom and now you're there and the person that kicked you while you were at the bottom. Shout out Trizzy. Yeah, exactly. And the person that kicked you while you were at the bottom is now facing you while you're at the top. I think, you know, whether he wants to say it or not, he's going to have some sort of grudge. And I think he wants to have a grudge too. That's going to be a motivator for him in that game. And I know he talked about it a little bit. Someone asked him if he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And he said, I mean, of course, it's nothing personal, but that's it just is how personal. life Yeah, it's nothing <laughs> Nothing personal, personal but I, I think about it every day. <laughs> exactly. That's just how life works. As much as you want to deny it, it's always going to be in the back of yeah. your mind. So. You know, at, at the end of the day, he's gotten to a point in his career where he is extremely successful and he won't be thinking about it too much. But it's the Super Bowl. If this game already didn't mean enough, it now means a ton that he's facing Andy Reid. And I think that, like I said, it's not going to be in the forefront of his mind, but it's going to be so sweet if they go up by two touchdowns and he gets to prove the man who didn't think he was worth a coaching spot on his team. He gets to prove him wrong on the biggest stage of them all. Now, here's a follow-up question I have for you, Daniel Ryan, as, you know, I'm, I'm pushing off the Super Bowl predictions for one more question because it kind of just sprung into my head. Andy Reid, who will he be remembered as a coach for, the Eagles or the Chiefs? Because I think this is a lot tougher of a question to answer than— Oh, 100% is. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I am. Because as much as he—like I said, as, as much as he had great moments in Philadelphia, he didn't win it. He didn't get to the top of the sport and finish the job. Now, we talked about Spygate and, you know, how much truth there is to that. We don't really, I don't, I don't believe it was ever really figured out. Was it with Spygate in 2004? Well, the thing with Spygate is, 
I think the Patriots were caught what a lot of other NFL teams were doing. I, I've heard former NFL players talk about this. And in everyone was and guilty, podcasts. but they got outed because they were caught, basically. Yeah, which doesn't make it right. No, because there's also levels to it, so it's not like everyone was doing the same exact thing. But yeah, I mean, def- they were definitely getting some type of you know advantage. I would definitely say Kansas City Chiefs, though. I think he'll go down as a Chiefs legend. 100% if he beats the Eagles in this game as well, but really just due to the fact that he won it and what he's been able to do with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the idea to sit him behind Alex Smith for a year, get him some veteran leadership into his mind and really teach him what he needs to succeed in the NFL, and then for him to come out the next year and do what he did as a second-year player is just unbelievable. And so, you know, he had a lot of question marks around his clock management skills when he was with the Eagles, his beginning years with the Chiefs, but... He'll be a Kansas City Chief when he retires. I think he honestly will retire a Kansas City Chief. He'll never forget the Philadelphia moments. I mean, they got him his platform. Philadelphia propelled him to the point where he could add one of the greatest coaches in NFL history to his resume. I mean, if you remove his Philadelphia years and just insert his Kansas City Chiefs years, he's not in that conversation, I don't think. And so... There's a lot of love there, but just not enough as he's going to have for Kansas City, especially, I mean, even if he loses to the Eagles, he's going to have plenty of years with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, and I guess he will have like three years left of Travis Kelsey, maybe four years of him as his tight end. He'll have plenty of opportunity if he does lose this one, but long story short, I think he'll be remembered as a Chief. All right, we've been beating around the topic all episode. We've been talking about, you know, some of the key matchups, some of the X factors, some storylines, but I, I think it's really time that we finish things up here with our predictions for the game. And, you know, I, I've said it again, and I'm harping on it again. These are the two best teams in the NFL, and it makes it that much harder just to outright pick a winner because you go through positions, and, you know, the Eagles probably have the upper hand in a lot of them, but also at the same time, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, which you know just elevates them that much more. And before I ask you, you know what what, what you think is going to happen during the game and who's going to win, I'm just going to give you mine. That way we can finish up with your thoughts and uh, get out of here because we're both looking like we're uh, we've been working uh, long days, a long two days. So is my raccoon impression looking good over here? Because I don't even want to look at myself right now, bro. I, I I I'm wearing a pink polo right now my eye bags are probably dripping down to my my chin at this point so to me this game it's going to be hard fought I've been saying that you know all week probably going to have to give the edge though to the Chiefs you know the Patrick Mahomes you know factor one thing I will say though the Philadelphia Eagles front seven on the defensive side of things they have a chance just to win the game outright I mean, we've seen this before in Super Bowls, you know, with, you know, my New York Giants taking down Tom Brady. The best way to stop an all-time great quarterback is to put him on the ground, which is a lot easier said than done. But, I mean, if the Eagles' defensive line has their way with with the Chiefs' offensive line, it's going to be a long game for Patrick Mahomes. But I think that they've probably schemed up some, some blocking schemes that's going to, you know, mitigate some of that pass rush for the Eagles. I think they're going to try to get the running game involved, but also get the running backs involved in the passing game on some shorter passes, trying to get the ball out quick to, you know, mitigate that pass rush that I've been talking about. And to me, this is just all about Patrick Mahomes, man. You know, he, he has a chance to really put himself up there with the all-time greats already with the second Super Bowl win. And I, I just think the last time he was in this moment, they lost to Tampa Bay. 
but he still looked like Superman, you know, making all these ridiculous plays, even on incompletions. I mean, you remember that one one pass that he had to Daryl Williams that went right off his head that should have never even gotten to him. But it's going to be a close one. Going to have to give the edge, psych, to the Philadelphia Eagles because Ooh. I think the Eagles' defensive line, that was a total... Yeah, you misled me that entire Total mislead. Part. Total mislead. Even started with, I'll give the edge to the Chiefs. I'm like, oh, okay, be different, whatever. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah you know, you know I, I had to you know, you know, pull your leg a little bit, but it, it's, it's one of those things, man, where you, you just, you know it. You know it in your bones, and what I know is a dominant defensive line wins championships. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Philadelphia Eagles, 30, Chiefs, 24. And it could be really, it really could be that close, and... Honestly, this is one of the Super Bowls where all the predictions, whether it be, I mean, all the predictions probably under you know, 40 points. I don't really see them cracking that 40-point mark for either team. Um, not combined, obviously, but separately. Mm-hmm. This is one of those games where these 30 to 24 predictions really could come true because as good as the Eagles' defense really is, this Chiefs offense has been developing this playbook around Patrick Mahomes for, what, the past five years now, and they know how to use him best. And it's all really going to come down to his high ankle sprain, which you know we've talked about. I think these two weeks have really helped him with that. It's not going to be as much of a problem. All bias aside, like, even if this was the Dallas Cowboys versus the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and they had the current Philadelphia Eagles defense, I would say Dallas Cowboys. I'm, I'm completely honest when I say that because you don't develop the talent on the defensive line and face a – you know, let's say above average offensive line and not see results. And if you don't see results from the defensive line tomorrow from the Eagles, all power, all power to the offensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs because that's a very tall task. You know they're not going to be putting Noah Gray out there, their backup tight end to block because they saw what happened when Hassan Reddick came off the edge. You just can't do that unless you're going to get the ball off in 0.2 seconds. So I have to agree with you. I mean, all bias aside, as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I think that the trenches are really going to come down and be the difference in this one on both sides for the Eagles, the defensive and offensive line. You talk about the dogs they have on the offensive line who, you know, have been labeled as the best offensive line in football all season long. I have to say the same for the defensive line. They're all two sacks away from tying the 1984 Bears for a Far and away. I mean, not only just a really good defensive group up front, probably the best position group in the whole NFL. Let me ask you this, too and I'll give my prediction as far as the score goes and the result, but if the Philadelphia Eagles pass the 1984 Bears tomorrow, do you think they're the best defense of all no, time? No, no, Okay, I respect that answer. That's fine. No, I, and, and that's just kind of stats. You, you add in a couple extra games as well. Yeah, they're going to play 18. The Bears only played 16, so. Yeah, it, yeah. to me, no. I, this, the Eagles' front line, you could argue, is one of the, the best of all time, but as, as a full defensive unit, no, it doesn't even compare to the 84 Bears or the 2000 also, Ravens or even the 80s Giants. You know, it It was also a different really era. Good. It was a different era of football for all three of those teams you just listed, too. So, you know, a lot more guidelines have been put in place as far as protecting the players since then, too. So They're not as good as Legion of Boom. If, 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 if you're going to no. talk about, you well, know, that, that his, defense historical was, stuff and, and go back and look at, like, what the 80s, 90s, and 2000s were, uh-huh. if we're going to use a modern example... I still think that they're not as good as the Legion of Boom. And I can agree with that. But I, but that position group, the defensive line, is is definitely up there. Yeah, and the Legion of Boom, too. I mean, they had a great defensive line, but an even better secondary that oh, year, yeah. too. So it's just you can't really compare. While the Eagles do have a 
good secondary. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, you know, a little bit of Marcus Epps, and uh, obviously the two corners. James Bradbury, who, James who, Bradbury, who's apparently yeah. open to returning to the Giants. <laughs> God. Yeah, James Bradbury and Darius Slay on the outside. It's a pretty good secondary, but not as good as Legion of Boom. I can agree with that. Now down to my prediction. I'm going to go Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles by 10 points. It's going to be a similar score to you, but I think that this defense, especially if they can get Patrick Mahomes on his feet and scrambling the entire night, I think that they only allow 20 points. I think it's going to be a 30-20 to 20 game in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles just for the sole reason that if you can get Patrick Mahomes to scramble out towards the left side and have to throw across his body, this Eagles team has been one of the best in capitalizing on balls that are floated up and you have time to get to them. C.J. Gardner-Johnson has been terrific all year of stepping in front of receivers or tight ends to intercept balls. Uh, same thing with James Bradbury. If there's a ball in the air and he has one or two seconds to react to it and jump in front, he's going to at least get a piece of that ball. And we know what Darius Slay can do as well as one of the top corners in the league. So I think the key really is going to not only be getting pressure to Patrick Mahomes for an Eagles victory, but also getting him to scramble out towards the left side. Majority of the time when he does scramble, he scrambles out towards the right side because, let's be honest, all starting quarterbacks, if you're right-handed, are comfortable scrambling out towards the right side. It's just basic quarterback nature at that point. So if you can get him throwing across his body, being uncomfortable in that pocket, and forcing him to the left side, I see it being a 30-20 to 20 game, no problem. And, you know, I've emphasized it in this podcast, but I emphasized it as soon as I realized we were facing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. The trenches are so powerful for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I don't see how that can't be the difference maker in a Philadelphia Eagles win. I mean, you saw it not only in the Giants game, and you saw it even more in the 49ers game. They're not to be messed with, and I think that they're coming out there with that chip on their shoulder that no one can compete with us. And we're going to see, obviously, tomorrow, but we're in store for a really good game, I think. Do we want to end it off with our Gatorade and first song predictions? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we could do, do that, but I also want to get some of your, your parting thoughts before we of course. ascend into Super Bowl Sunday, which is creeping up in about an hour and a half now. Mm -hmm. um, I'll start off, though, with... Um, you know, the Gatorade and the first song uh, for Gatorade. So in last year's Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56, the Gatorade was blue in the vein of the Delaware Blue Coats wearing purple tonight, being the purple coats. I'm going to go with purple. I, I think the Gatorade tomorrow is going to be purple. Uh, what do you think? You know, it's not a bad pick, but the reason I'm not going to agree with you on that one is because personally, I don't like purple Gatorade <laughs> at all. Whoa, yo. And I don't think it's a fan favorite enough to give it. To, I mean, they've done it in years past. It's not a fan favorite. I don't think it's a fan favorite to have the players saying, oh, yeah, we need purple Gatorade or oh. Oh, we'll, we'll drink purple Gatorade oh. all, all games. So I'm not going to go with blue. That was my original pick at first. But I think I'm going to go with, hmm, I'm between white and orange, like the frost white. You know what I'm talking about? The Gatorade oh, right. frost. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm still getting over that purple Gatorade <laughs> comment, though. I'm going to go with white. I think that... Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with white because I think that, you know, both teams obviously have that in their uniforms, at least to some extent. Plus, at the same time, it's a very neutral color. And when's the last time you've seen white Gatorade poured on somebody after a Super Bowl win? I can't remember, to be honest with you. As much as I want to go orange because it's, you know, sort of the Chiefs colors, but it's almost too similar to the Chiefs colors for me to go orange. So I'm going to go with white. No specific reason really as to why, aside from it being a neutral color, because honestly, it's hard to predict this stuff regardless. But 
Yeah, I'm going to go white Gatorade for the Super Bowl. Gatorade poured on the winning team. And do you have a first song that Rihanna is going to play? Because I, I have mine right here if, if you want me to go first. You know, I'm torn between two again. All right, well. It's you, tough. You got you to gotta pick one. I am. I'm going to pick okay. one. Don't, don't tell me the second one that you're going to pick two. You have to wait until I say mine. That's fine. Okay. I'm going to go with Run This Town. I'm going to go with Run This Town as number one. Get, 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 given recent headlines by Ye. Yeah, he's featured in that song, you know, Danny, right? It's such a good song, though. It is. And I, I know Jay-Z's going to be there. Um, yeah. It's such a good song, and, like, maybe they don't even play to the A part. I, you know, I don't think they will, yeah. You know how they cut off, you know, the songs, they have to move to the next one. I'm going to go with Run This Town, and I'll tell you the other song I was considering in a second, because it would be pretty applicable to the halftime show. I think it's going to be Diamonds. Okay. I mean, I Shine bright like either. a diamond. I mean, I, I could see it right now, just... That's a good song to, like, bring in slowly, too, like... Shine bright like a diamond. Yeah, yeah. And you can see, like, the, the lights flittering, exactly. like, the yeah, way that the like, floor oh! is set up. It looks like diamonds in the sky. I, I could see that for sure. And if it's not the one she starts with, it'll probably be one in the middle of her set just mm-hmm. to, like, get all the energy back into it that may have been lost just from any performance in general. Um, now that you've said yours, though, I was thinking Don't Stop the Music. Can you can you imagine she goes out that there and be. starts it with, don't please stop, don't stop the music. And then it goes... Boom. I want to take you oh away. That, that would be pretty good. Because I, I was thinking about some old Rihanna hits. Yeah. I, admittedly, I, I hope somehow, you know, some Rihanna stands don't make their way to this podcast. I don't think they're part of our de- <laughs> demographic. But, Navy. But uh, if they do, I, I, I've, I've been sleeping on the bad girl. I've been sleeping on bad girl Riri for a little while now. Not because I don't like her music. I just, I, I, I forget, you know, how, how talented she is. And yeah, I mean, growing up, oh man. I totally forgot about that song. That's going to be stuck song. in my head. And it's just one of those songs where as soon as it comes on, you know yeah. it gets you hyped up. Like, it's just, oh, why, why is my body shaking? Oh. oh. Uh, all right, so we both had our individual picks, but I think if we had to pick a uh, a collab pick, that would be our pick. Yeah, I think so, 100%. And, and it's just because you need something to get the crowd going. And I could definitely see something more on the low, the low-key side, like Diamonds or, you know, a slower song yeah. just to, like, ease it in and get everyone acclimated to the songs but that would be a really good one to start with and i mean if we're talking about old school hits too i mean jay-z is going to be there so we have to watch out for umbrella mm-hmm. I, I think umbrella is definitely going to get played at some point 100 i don't know if it's gonna be the first song i would really love that they did don't stop the music dude oh that'll be great and i don't think they have to the too music. because like Please don't stop. a lot of the songs that she became famous on have to be played like umbrella yeah. 2007 don't stop the music 2007 Ponda Replay, 2005, that might make a feature, who knows? But um, overall, you know, it's just going to be a great halftime show, I think, due to the nostalgia aspect. Like you mentioned, you forget because, you know, largely in part due to Rihanna. She took a few years out of the industry. You forget how good her songs really were. When I she mean, was Rude cons- Boy too. Yeah. I mean, you just forget when she was consistently releasing these songs, she was yeah. at the top of the charts at all times. Oh, and yeah. it's no longer Bad Girl Riri, it's Bad Mom Riri. Mm. She's now a mom with ASAP Rocky's child. All right, Danny. So about an hour and 30 minutes away from Sunday. I know you're nervous. I want to get some parting thoughts from myself and you on, uh, you know, tomorrow. And, you know, if you had to give a message out to Philadelphia, what would it be? Grease those poles. Get them ready. And I, I know we saw on the early bird special that I think it was – I forget what state it was. It's blanking me at the current moment, but they were offering something along the lines of like 700 gallons of lubricant 
infused with cheese whiz yeah. <laughs> to the city of Philadelphia in case they won. But no, my message is grease the poles and get ready to party because because I'm so confident in the trenches of the Philadelphia Eagles on both sides. I think it's just, you know, whether it's a three-point victory and they edge them out narrowly, I think a victory is inevitable. And honestly, I'm not too nervous. Like, there's always going to be some part of me, and I'm sure tomorrow I'll be much more nervous once the game actually starts. But it's just been so much confidence all year long. I trust this coaching staff. I trust this team. And most importantly, I trust the man that runs the offense in Jalen Hurts. I think that when you have the swagger, when you have the ability and the dynamic playmaking skills that he does, it's hard to lose a game like that. But if you're going to lose one, it's to the best quarterback in the league in Patrick Mahomes. So I'm about 90% convinced they're going to win the game. And my message finally is go birds, fly eagles fly, and grease those damn poles. If I had to give a message to Philadelphia, I'm going to put on my best journalist cap as uh, one of our professors here at Rowan, Professor Quigley, likes to say that you have to transform yourself into your superhero journalist version. And I'm going to go right down the middle here. Philadelphia Eagle fans, you guys deserve to be right here in this moment. Team has been the best team in the NFL from, you know, the get-go. You had that undefeated, you know, stretch for a long time. Hurts got hurt at the end of the, end of the season. There started, started being some, you know, questionable storylines about, would this team be able to recover come playoff time? Is Hurts, you know, going to play well enough with with that injury that he had? And he clearly has. And, and they've gotten to this point where they have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. I I think that the, they should be the favorites. And I do think they're going to win. So, you know, all I got to say is if you're going to go out tomorrow night after the game, you know, win or lose, just be safe. And burn the city down, of course. Well, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, don't don't get hurt. Um, but enjoy yourselves because no other fan is going to tell you this of another team, but it's been one heck of a season for you guys, and you should enjoy it. Here's to a really awesome Super Bowl 57, and now I can't imagine what I'm going to be doing with my Sundays. It's very sad. Watch us talking about you know how this is supposed to be a great game and a great matchup. Blowout. Final score, 10-7. <laughs> Can you imagine just a defensive juggernaut battle? Um but no, I mean, it takes it takes a strong man who's a fan of the New York Giants to really say something like that about the Philadelphia Eagles. And before we send things off, I have to ask you, because we've talked about it off-air in our apartment, final confirmation, are you going to the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl parade due to the close proximity if they win? So here's the thing. I will not be if Kate Scott is still coming to Rowan on Thursday. Because if Kate Scott comes to Rowan on Thursday, there's going to be no one there. So I'm going to be able to meet Kate Scott and make a nice connection. So it really <laughs> depends on Kate Scott right now. But yeah, I might. And I, I, I honestly, I might try to do something for the school newspaper where I might write like an opinion. Um, but what I was thinking was I'd go, quote unquote, undercover in like a really like bad, like, you know, disguise, like, you know, fake mustache. Chad and all. Powers. Yeah, you know, something like that. And, and not pretend to be an Eagles fan, but just, you know, get get the atmosphere. Um and get some quotes from some people. Yeah, no, it really it really depends on what, what Kate Scott's doing because if, if no one's going to be there and she's still here, I'm not passing up on that opportunity, brother. I think Kate Scott's going to be at the parade. Oh, I, I think so too. Like, so <laughs> I'll probably be at the parade. 
If, if Neil Hartman's a smart man, and you're not listening to this, but if you are, you'll cancel the Kate Scott appearance on Thursday if the parade's on Thursday. If it's on Wednesday, everyone wins. Well, I got his class on Thursday, too, so he, he better cancel class as well. Not confirmed, though, on Thursday. There's been rumors from Philadelphia police, along with a few people that are kind of tied in with the city, that they're planning for a Thursday. It, it's Who on, knows, though? It's on Thursday. It's on Thursday. All right, that'll just about wrap things up here on Big Apple on Broad, our Philadelphia versus New York professional sports podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in on what we expected to be a 30-minute episode, but will probably be an hour-long episode split into two parts. Once again, thank you all so much for tuning in. This is Danny Ryan signing off alongside my co-host, Connor Brown, right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You've been listening to Big Apple on Broad with your hosts, Danny Ryan and Connor Brown. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Big Apple on Broad and every Rowan Radio Sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your favorite podcasts.